we're really, as a church, we're tracking through um, a, a book in the Bible on Sunday mornings that is uh, pretty dynamic. Uh, it's a really uh, positive book to look through, and I want to encourage everyone to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, we're in this series in 1 Corinthians, and uh, we're finally starting to roll. By the end of today, we'll be through chapter 2. And uh, really, what it is, it's a letter written by Paul to a troubled church. And uh, I'm excited to be able to uh, share some truths today uh, that have been meaningful me, to me this week as I've been studying. Uh, but this church that, uh, that is represented here, that this letter was written to, really had a variety of problems. There was disunity in the church. Uh, there was church discipline issues. Um, there was little to no accountability. Um, there was immorality and doctrinal issues as well. And so after a short greeting in chapter 1, in the first few verses, an encouragement, Paul tackles a huge subject for the church. He talks about disunity. And really the theme from chapters 1 all the way to chapter 4 is this idea of disunity. And we've said in the last couple of weeks that disunity is tragic within a church or within an organization uh, for that matter. And the church there in, in Corinth, they struggled with disunity, with personalities, which, by the way, can happen in 2014 as easy as it did uh, back in the, uh, right after Jesus left the, left the church. Uh, they also struggled with disunity, with philosophy. The word there in the Greek is Sophia, uh, human wisdom. And for the church in Corinth, that human wisdom, uh, it distorted everything. It was infiltrated into everything, how they viewed leadership. Human wisdom was brought into how they worked out their own problems, how they dealt with sin, internal disputes. By chapter 4, the human wisdom was at such a, uh, such a level that there was pride that was all around that, and we'll get there in a few weeks. Uh, by chapter 15, all the way through the end, uh, there's doctrinal issues with the resurrection, and they're trying to bring in human reasoning, human and wisdom to all these things. And what we've seen and we will continue to see is that Paul is saying, look, if you are a Christ follower, you cannot look at life through the lens of human wisdom or human understanding. Instead, as believers, we must function in the wisdom of God. We need to function in that wisdom. And by the way, the wisdom of God, we've said over the last couple of weeks, is superior to man's wisdom because it's rooted in the cross. And it's the cross that is where the power comes. And God's wisdom is powerful. Will you say that with me? God's wisdom is powerful. It's powerful to accomplish the things that concern us, to building up the church, to building up our own lives. And it's through the power of the cross that we can live and that we want to live. It's life-changing. It's awesome. And you say, well, if it's that powerful, how can I function in it? How can I get God's wisdom? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want you to stand with me as we are doing each week to honor God's Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
And what I want to highlight this morning is as we read this, we're actually going to go back to verse 1 of chapter 2 because we're going to read this in context. Even though most, uh, most commentators and uh, even in your Bible, it may, there may be a break at verse 6 where we're actually going to start. But uh, really, the context is important for us to go back to chapter uh, 2, verse 1. And uh, I, can I just say this too? Um, as, we, as I was able to spend a lot of time uh, in chapter 2 this week and reading and uh, just studying and meditating, I want to say this. These verses, a few of the verses here that we're going to read, have been grossly misinterpreted in the church over the years. And I can say we are Pentecostal, we are Spirit-filled, we embrace the gifts of the Spirit. We are the chief offenders when it comes to these verses, okay? And so what I've tried to do this week is try to say, Lord, uh, help, my, uh, help my background, help my understanding, my personal interpretation of verses that you can pull out individually and make them say whatever they want, okay? Which is dangerous. And we want to bring a biblical um, interpretation uh, this morning, we want to glean from the truth in context. Is everyone with me? Okay, and, uh, and so we're, we're doing that. And I say that because you're going to see as we kind of track through how some of the things can be, could have been abused uh, through history, uh, through church history. But this is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 1. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. This is Paul writing to the church, of course. Verse 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. And I read that because the, the following is continu- a continuation of that thought of what um, Paul was saying. Look, the message that we brought, that he brought and that the apostles brought, um, was that's the context here. And we'll see that pick up in verse 6. It says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the, message, or not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But... God has revealed to it, it to us, that's the secret wi- wisdom, we're going to see that in a minute, to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of men except the men's spirit within Him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Verse 14. 
The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 15, the spiritual man makes judgment about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that these words would ring true in our hearts and in our minds today. And God, I pray that we would bring application that would be meaningful this week uh, for each and every person here, for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I was thinking about it this week that everyone is looking for wisdom. Whether you're reading your favorite columnist or you're listening to your favorite radio talk show or you're watching your favorite daytime TV program, advice can come from anywhere, can it? Actors and actresses giving their opinion, personality hosts, athletes, models, all the like. And it seems in 2014, if you were to have an idea or if you wanted to create a philosophy or a thought of your own, you could probably find someone somewhere that would back you up, whether it's Wikipedia or Google or anywhere else, you can find someone to support maybe what is going on up in your brain. You can get wisdom from almost anywhere. Isn't that true? But true wisdom is only from God through the ages. And by the way, it'll last forever and it does not change. And so we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting verse 6 here, and we want to see two things this morning. The first thing is that God's wisdom is not humanly discovered. This is huge. It cannot be discovered on our own. We cannot figure it out in our own mind. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Look what it says in Isaiah. I love this. It's, uh, this is a section of Scripture calling Israel to repentance for those that are hungry and thirsty. Listen to what it says. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he may be near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, the evil men his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Okay? And that's kind of the backdrop. But listen to verses 8 and 9. It says, For my thoughts, this is God talking, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When I read that, I say we need a different lens other than human understanding. We need to tap into what God knows and what God has shared throughout the ages. How many believe that God knows things that we don't know? But he wants to share those things with us. And what's interesting is Paul understood this firsthand. 
He had firsthand knowledge of this. If you look at Paul's life and you read in the early part of Acts and leading up to Acts chapter 9, Paul, the Apostle Paul, thought that Jesus was a complete fraud. He was zealous in the Jewish understanding. He was very learned. And Paul was fighting against Jesus until what happened in Acts chapter 9? Damascus Road, right? He's knocked off his horse. He has his vision and he's blinded. And, and all of a sudden, God, through his Holy Spirit, is revealed to the Apostle Paul or who became the Apostle Paul. And so Paul understood. You know what? All his learning, he didn't understand until that experience. Now, with the backdrop of that, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. It says we, by the way, that we see we in verse 6 and in verse 10 and verse 16. That is really primarily the apostles, but I believe is proper interpretation. We can put ourselves there, all believers. We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. What the mature means there are Christ followers who are obedient. We'll dissect that a little later. We, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse number 7 says, No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. When we see that word there, the secret wisdom, that it's uh, the, the Greek term there is mysterion, which we get our word mystery, that it's hidden. And what's interesting is that this particular verse has been taken out of context. I want to give you um, some idea of how that verse has been abused over the years. Um, there have been people that have said, you know what, there's a deeper life, a second blessing, a deeper truth, a special revelation or a special status for believers, different ranks within the church or be, uh, within believers, as if the lesser brother simply does not get the full privilege in Christ. And you know what, church, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. God, His Word is for each and every one of us. We all can experience the fullness, everything God has for us. In fact, one of our Pentecostal, uh, strong um, uh, commentators, uh, Gordon Fee, uh, says this. He says, being spiritual does not lead to elitism. And it doesn't. He says it leads to a deeper understanding of God's profound mystery. The mystery, what is it? We talked about it in the last couple of weeks. The redemption through a crucified Messiah. The Messiah through the cross. That's what we can experience. So in verse 7 it says those things hidden, or there's a secret wisdom that was hidden, destined for our glory before time began. Let me explain, or try to explain what this means. In the Old Testament, we know that the prophets and the Israelites, the children of Israel, they were longing for a Messiah. There was, it had been foretold that a Messiah was coming, right? But they didn't understand what that would look like. Even when Jesus was there in, uh, in person, it, the, the Jews did not embrace that. But 
in the New Testament, when it says those hidden things, when those, the secret wisdom, it's referring to the cross, of course, but listen, it's referring to a reference to something previously unknown, but now has been revealed. Now let's put that in context. Let's look to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 says this, Concerning this salvation, how Christ came, the prophets who spoke of this grace uh, that was, has come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was appointing when, they, when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then it says something very interesting. Even angels long to look into these things. It was revealed in the New Testament. Something that was previously unknown now has been revealed. The blinders had been had come off. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. We see a similar idea. Matthew 13 verse 16 says this, but blessed are your eyes. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and and he's talking to those that were listening. He says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you, the prophets and the righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. But in the New Testament, there was a revelation. There was an exposure of what was previously unknown now had been revealed. Think about it with salvation. For thousands of years, people tried to figure it out. Even Paul tried to figure it out, tried to get his mind around it. But Jesus, he brought it all together. The wisdom of God rooted in the cross now had been revealed. And so, you know, we've got a little advantage, don't we? We can read Isaiah and we can say, oh yeah, that means Jesus, right? But they didn't have that privilege. They didn't understand that. And the point is, is that it is no longer hidden. No longer hidden. And God thought of this salvation before time began. It says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. One more verse. Turn with me to 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, I'm sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I lo- this is uh, really interesting. I didn't mark this in my Bible, but listen to what it says. Verse 9. It says, who has, been sa- who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own grace, his own purpose. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. All right? So kind of re- reinforcing that. But listen to what it says. Uh, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And what's just so incredible 
is that we get to experience that in its fullness. And by the way, verse 8 says this, None of the rulers of the age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The early church rulers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, if Pilate or uh, Caiaphas or if Herod would have known by human effort, they would not have crucified Jesus. They could not understand They could not put their mind around it. You say, why is that? Well, it's answered in verse number nine. Why? Because no eye had seen, no ear had heard, no mind had conceived what God had prepared for those who loved him. Talking about salvation. That verse in particular is used a lot at... um, at funerals and at different occasions, and uh, really, you know, it's plucked out of context. It's a nice verse um, uh, out of context, but really it's talking about salvation, and we need to understand that. It's salvation, that the God of our past uh, had designed salvation, and it was so wonderful. And what's interesting is we read that, and we understand that verse, in particular, verse 9, you cannot know the benefit until it's been revealed. Let me ask you a question. Can an unsaved person know the joy of salvation? No. Can an unsaved person know the benefits of God's wisdom? No. Or the peace of Christ? No. Can an unsaved person know why Christ is everything to us? Or why we live for Him? Or why we worship Him? Or why we hunger for His Word? No, it does not make sense to an unbelieving heart. Godly wisdom cannot be humanly discovered. So, how do we get it then? And that comes to our second point, and we're going to see in the rest of these verses. Number two, that God's wisdom, it cannot be humanly discovered, but it is revealed by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 10. It says, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The it there is that secret wisdom. The deep things are about God. It's about God's plan, about the heart of God. And what we see and what we're going to see is that the Spirit teaches us. Verse 11 goes on. It says, For who among men know the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one can know the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. If I came up to you and I said, Hey, uh, do you know me? Some of you say, Yeah, I know you, Pastor. I've, you know, I've been with you. I've, I've heard you. Well, you can only know me, maybe by some of my actions, but by what I speak. Isn't that the truth? But I may have thoughts that are hidden, that are deep within, that no one knows about. I don't, by the way, but, uh, but I mean, it's, it's possible. I mean, I don't have that many good thoughts anyway. But with the Spirit of God, <laughs> it's the Spirit. He knows the mind of God, the Spirit of God, the counsel of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one, Right? And that's what it's saying. How could we know? It's awesome. Look at uh, John chapter 14. This is uh, really uh, fun. John chapter 14, verse 25. It says this. It says, All of this I have spoken while still with you. 
But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. In John 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. That's what the Spirit does. It reveals the secret things of God, God's plan of salvation and God's plan for your life. It is not my ability or your ability that makes that happen. It's the Spirit of God and it's Him. It's He who reveals it to us, makes it known to us. You guys tracking with me so far? All right, let's look at verse 12. It says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, thank the Lord, right? But the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. See, what happens is a miracle takes place. The Holy Spirit indwells within us. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, look what it says. This is, this is awesome. It says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. He's talking about believers that have received the gift of the Spirit, that have received salvation. A miracle takes place. The Holy Spirit dwelling with inside of us. But before the Holy Spirit revealed that, how many know that it's hard, it would be hard to understand spending time with God, having a, you know, a time alone with God, having a devotional time, or even understanding what the Bible says, or why, we would, why someone would worship. But when salvation comes, and maybe you've experienced this, suddenly the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he illuminates his word. He illuminates his word. Back in John chapter 15, verse 26, it says this, When the counselor comes, I will, uh, whom I will send to you the, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. In verse 16, or chapter 16, verses 8, it says this, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin, because man does do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where, I, or where you can see me no longer, and in regards to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and he will help us. In other words, he will come and he will energize your conscience. He will help you to understand the deep things of God, what God's word, what God's plan is. Again, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Verse 13, let's continue. It says, this is what we speak, not in words taught 
us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. That last phrase there could say spiritual truths to spiritual men. Again, we cannot grow in the Lord unless we understand His Word. And the Spirit of God is the one that helps us to understand His Word. So how does the Holy Spirit teach us? He illuminates His Word to us. The Spirit helps us search the Word in our lives. That's what God does. And in verse 14, it says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. They're moronic to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Have you ever tried to explain a spiritual truth to a non-believer? And you just kind of get a blank look on, your, on their face, right? You, you, know, you try to explain that you, know, you give your heart to the Lord and you start you know, giving to the church, maybe 10%, you know, your tithe, and they're just looking at you like, really? Or you, you try to explain to a non-believer the whole idea of mission or uh, you know, about, uh, about God's ways, and it just goes right over their head. Have you ever been there? Why is that? That's what verse 14 says, because the Holy Spirit's the one that must reveal that and must make that alive to them. Otherwise, it's foolishness. It does not make sense, spiritual things, to an unspiritual mind. I love it. Verse 15, the spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. What this is talking about, I believe, when it says spiritual man in verse 15 there, it's a tie to verse 6, the mature. I don't believe that's just any Christian, anybody that calls on the name of the Lord. I believe it's someone who is walking in obedience to God's word and is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And what's interesting is that they can evaluate all things. You, as a believer, that is loving God and being obedient to Him, you can discern even the hard things in this world. The Holy Spirit will help you to discern. I believe the Holy Spirit can help us discern when there's tragedy, maybe a loss of a baby or, or some sort of accident. When there's heartache, there can come an insight by the Holy Spirit's presence inside of you that can be a real healing for those around you. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that? That in the midst of horrific tragedy or in the midst of something that is completely unexplainable, there's a believer that is steady, that is firm, that can bring some perspective. And that doesn't come by human understanding. That comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. A friend of mine, Jonathan DeCue, he pastors uh, in Allendale. Um, I, I asked him to send me some notes on, on this passage in particular. And uh, I this is a direct quote from him. Listen to what he said. He said, the maturing Christian grows in his spiritual discernment and with the Spirit's help develops the ability to understand more and more of the will and the mind of God. 
Isn't that incredible? Yeah. And I want to be that type of maturing believer that can be spiritually discerning, that we would understand more and more the will and the mind of God. That's what is offered to us through the power of the Spirit. Verse 16 says this, But uh, for, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. That means we have God's thoughts. We have God's understanding. We, ha- we can tap into a, a wisdom that is beyond our own ability. To look at life from the Savior's point of view, having His value and His desires in mind. Thinking God thoughts and not what the world thinks. And to the unsaved, they can't understand it. We have a special wisdom, a secret wisdom that once was hidden, but now has been revealed. And that wisdom, church, is the power of the cross. It's through the cross of Christ. So two things, God's wisdom certainly cannot be humanly discovered. Number two, it's revealed by the Spirit. It's available to you to grow in wisdom. And I believe that God when we think that, when we put our mind around that, he's calling us to his word. I'm going to ask Brennan if you'd come and uh, Ben and, and uh, just help us here just in the next few moments. And we've got some time this morning. I understand that. Wisdom, church, is originating, it originates with God. And the challenge for the Corinthian church, and the challenge for us this morning is that we would desire to know the Holy Spirit. We would desire to know Jesus crucified. And out of that desire, that God will speak to us by His Spirit. We are Pentecostal. We are Spirit-filled. We embrace the gifts of the Spirit here at the Gateway Church. And I'm thankful for that. Aren't you thankful for that? And there is a sense that, that yes, we understand and we, we, ex, we experience um, church in a different way. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Now, are we better than some other denomination or some other uh, practice? I don't think so. But I do embrace the gifts of the Spirit. But I want you to know, church, that when we embrace those gifts, when God speaks to us by His Spirit, number one, it is primarily through His Word. This is an important piece. It's through His Word word that he speaks. It's God's word that makes the difference. It's God's word where we can find every single direction that we need. It's God's word, number one. The second thing, I believe that God's spirit speaks, and we see that throughout the New Testament in particular, through the message through the foolishness of preaching. 
and really highlights the importance of what we're doing as a church going through the, the book of 1 Corinthians. But uh, Romans 10, 17 says, uh, how will they hear unless someone tells them, right? Verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. It's Jesus Christ, the word of Christ, that the spirit is revealed to each one. But there's a third thing that I think we need to embrace. That there is a general discernment. Through discernment, as we mature as believers, and we're going to see in the next couple weeks that the Corinthian church, they lacked seriously this discernment that Paul was talking about. They were called spiritually ignorant and immature in chapter 3. We're going to get there next week. No one would want to be called that. I mean, I mean, what a testimony. It'd be horrific if someone were to look at the church, the gateway church, and say, boy, they're, they're spiritually ignorant or immature. It's like, whoa. I mean, that would be offensive. It would be, you know, it'd be hard to swallow if it was the truth. But the call is that each and every one of us can tap into the Spirit of God at work inside of us, primarily through His Word, right? can also come through the message, through preaching. But in our own lives, we can discern the things of, that maybe others cannot discern. And I'm not talking about elitism or some exclusive, special status. I want to go back to what Fee said. He says it's not elitism, but it leads people to a deeper understanding of God's profound mystery of the cross. That's God's wisdom. And that is what is offered to each and every one of us. If we If we pursue it, if we go after it, and my heart for myself is that, yes, I want to be a person that is spiritually mature. And I want to surround myself with people that are spiritually mature, that can bring along others and say, you know what, come and follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said that in Ephesians and in Philippians. And this morning, the challenge, I think, for us is to say, where is my spiritual hunger? Where is that thirst, that call to repentance, like in Isaiah, but also to search out the deep things, the understanding, the discernment that comes by the Spirit of God? I want to ask that you close your eyes and bow your head this morning as we're here this morning it's possible that you don't know Jesus as your personal savior or maybe you're away from Jesus and I believe that through the foolishness of preaching and through the worship this morning God may be revealing himself to you in a new way He's taking the blinders off. And now you see your need. 
your great need, your sin will kill you. It'll lead to eternal judgment. Separated for eternity, God's word says, except through the cross. And this morning, the cross is available to you. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and would like to walk in that truth and say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. God says, all you have to do is confess your sins for he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And this morning, if that's you, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Whether it's your first time here, yeah, or you've been here lots of times, if you need that revelation, that salvation piece, that God would save you, yeah, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Join this brother. Say, yeah, that's where I am today. I need Jesus to reveal just one responded but we want to encourage him and walk alongside him don't we church and you know where you can remember back to the day maybe when you surrendered your life to Jesus one of the things I love is to remember the story my story when my grandma at my house growing up on November 12 1985 she shared the love of Jesus. She went through the Romans, through Romans and identified my need and said, you know what? Jesus can save you. And then I prayed a prayer with her. It's incredible. And we want to do that this morning on behalf of this this, uh, young man. And I want to encourage us. Would you pray with him and to encourage him? And uh, it's not the words of this prayer, sir, that will save you. It's the belief in your heart. And then we've got some tools we want to walk with you and, uh, and help you uh, to grow in this knowledge of Jesus, all right? But would you pray this prayer with me, church? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, save me today from my sin, from the ugliness of my past, and redeem me. Make me clean through the power of the cross. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And I put my faith in you today. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. 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 Isn't that beautiful? How God works. God is a saving God. And brother, you just made the best decision in your life. And uh, we're going to walk with you and help you to grow in that decision. But I want to talk to the rest of us as well and talk about this desire to know God more intimately. Do you believe that's God's heart for you? Yeah. Yeah. And so how does that happen? It's revealed through the Spirit of God. And this morning, I believe that God may be pressing you to say, you know what, I'm going to spend more time in his word or more time listening to the message or more time listening 
for those still, small voices from the Holy Spirit. So not only that you can be blessed, but that you can provide a stability, a discernment wherever you go. And if that's your heart this morning to grow in the Lord, I'm just going to ask that you just stand as we close and we're going to have a closing prayer and then the altars will be open and we can uh, spend as much time as you need. But if that's your heart saying, boy, I want to grow. I want to know you more. I want to uh, have the spirit alive and well in my heart. Just stand where you are. Lord, I pray, God, that we would embrace your power, your might. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be exalted in our lives. And God, that the, the, the deep things, the, the understanding, that your wisdom would be revealed to each and every one of us. God, I pray that as we go, we would be a light to our friends and to our neighbors and to our co-workers. God, that we would bring a word just at the right time by your Spirit that would bring comfort and joy in a hard circumstance. God, that you would use us by your Spirit to make a difference, to make an impact this community and across the world. Lord, we pray it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just thank the Lord that he's going to help you grow in wisdom. That there's going to be a deepening in your heart, even today and this week. God, thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon us that you're going to go before us, behind us, and around us. Lord, move in our hearts today. Help us to understand and discern your ways, your will, your word. Illuminate your word in our lives. 